0: Fear is not even real. What is fear, KB? It's not even real. It's a false emotion appearing real. Luck is labor under correct knowledge. I have to be put in action at the right place, at the right time, and then opportunity creates itself. And that's really what luck is. It's opportunity. You just got to be prepared for that opportunity.
1: Left for a minute, I don't know shooting. Look at that guy's just spinning. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Stroke of Success Podcast. It's your host, KB. Today's guest is someone real, real, real special for me. Um, this person sitting next to me helped my friend in his desperate time. I, I, in respect to my friend, I'm not going to mention his name, but this friend was had some major trouble with substance abuse many years ago, and I had... Uh, I had helped him find a place, and I came with him to meet the gentleman next to me. And uh, he saved my friend's life. And my friend's wife, his, fa- his family are always in, in awe of this gentleman next to me. He's my mentor. I worked with him a little bit. I watched him grow, and uh, he's like a big brother to me. We talk quite often, and um, he's here without, without what, further ado, Mark Efron, welcome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming. Man. Honored. I Meet mean, a lot. Yeah, absolutely. We've been doing trying this for a little bit of time. Yeah. Scheduling both of our schedules have been insane, uh, but thank you, Mark. Thank you. You've Mark, had a tremendous success. so thank you. I'm super honored to be. You here. know, that, you know, every time you send me a DM or a text, it just makes me so happy, because it's like you know, your wife would say some stuff, you know, your family, people close to you, but someone you look up to, so. So drop a line and say, hey, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Awesome work. Yeah. It's to makes like, a make big difference. Thank you for doing that.
0: You're welcome. You're yeah. welcome. Thank you for receiving it. Yeah. I got to say, and it's like, I can't, we can. Say it so, again. I can't. Okay. We can. Wow. Right? So, like, if I think I'm going to do life alone or I'm successful on my own, that's a big lie. I'm not going to believe the lie. So I know that I need like-minded people, successful-minded people, people that are willing to get gritty and do the work. You sure. Know? Look at themselves, sure. right? Not just professionally, but in their home, right, spiritually. So you're one of those guys in my we that, you know, you say it's special for you. It's special for me to sit here today that with That means a lot. Absolutely.
1: Um, so, I, I, so let's go back for one second. So it was a Saturday, I remember. Yeah. I came in with my buddy, and he was in a bad, real bad shape. His wife begged me to take him. And we found your information. You're new at that time. This is yeah. five, six years ago. And you left your son's soccer game you finish it up and you came straight from there you had shorts on yeah you introduced yourself to me and him and you talked to him for like an hour and i'm like wow this guy owns the place it's a saturday it's family time right beautiful family you have thank you but he left them to come and talk to my friend and that was the first time that you impacted my life and his life and then, you know, he, he was in, your, in, your, in the treatment center, at your treatment center, in center for months, and I used to come see him on the weekend or once in a while, and I talked yeah. to him quite often. And he was telling me how special his journey has been with you, how everything was so detailed. The, the house you have, I think you have a house for your clients that they go yeah. off to. Correct. There's, there's special meals being provided, there's special drinks being provided. It's like you have designed it to a T. So anyways, from, 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 that was my introduction to you. Then we, I did some work for you on the side, and then we stayed in touch. Yeah. Mark Griffin, um I want to start with your beginning. Where are you from? So uh,
0: originally I'm from Boston, Mass. Okay. I grew up just outside the city. Uh, I spent you know, my childhood life, my, my adolescent years uh, in a town called Swampscott. Okay, never heard of it. Yeah. Small? S- small town, okay. 15 minutes north of Boston, right on the water. Um, You know, and I grew up, you know, I'm going to be 47 in December. Looking good, man. (laughs) I appreciate it, man. Um, 1978, there was a blizzard that, that blew through Boston, and that was the first time I ever ingested any type of drug. I actually tore into a bag of cocaine from my parents. They had this big blizzard that blew through. They had a big party, and... I was, you know, two and a half years old and my mother found me in the closet. And um, two and a half, two and a half. And you know, at two and a half, I, I didn't recall it, right? I still don't recall sure. it. Sure. But my, I fact checked it with my family and, and everybody. But what happened was I got rushed to the hospital and they medically discharged me. And back then DCF wasn't showing up. They weren't pulling you out of the house. Uh, that was the first time that I ever ingested any type of substance. And so I bring that up, because we're gonna talk about that and we talk about your friend here in a second, but growing up outside Boston with that little bit of moment, you know, I don't know if that's why I turned out to be the way that I am today. Um, but that was the first time that I ever ingested anything. So the reason I bring that up is because I moved around quite a bit. I was very transient at a young age. Why? Do- that's business? Or job? Uh, I, I, I wish that was the case. It was divorce. My parents got divorced, I got divorced
1: when divorced. I was young.
0: Five, six? How yeah, I was. Uh, well, they got separated around four, five, and finally divorced when I was about eight. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't easy, right? Like, we see it all the time. People quit on marriage. It's not right. Um, I'm not here to judge or pass judgment. No. My parents did the best that they could for as long as they could. And they were probably better separated. But I inherited step-parents at that time. So, you know, the parents split and I wound up moving around quite a bit. Uh, you know, go ahead. Live, live with your mom, and then she. So I lived with my mom. My okay. brother went with my dad, okay. and uh, it was just very. It was very different households. It was very undisciplined in my home. Uh, my mother was never really around. She was working to take care of us. I grew up middle class, lower middle, middle class. class. Okay. Um, you know, early years it was food stamps and government cheese and sure. support, and then you know in the eighties it was lower middle class. Uh, it wasn't until later in life that I really understand what money was or business was. You know, it wasn't really put in front of me. It was, I was a young kid. I played sports, lived with my mom, made a lot of decisions on my own as a young boy. And uh, there, was a, there was a lot of turbulent stuff there with step-parents and,
1: you know, mental, emotional, physical abuse. My next, the next question was that. Yeah. So you had those three. Those are three major forms of abuse. Yeah. And you went through those.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, the hard part about that and, and being in the position that I'm in today, right, as a loving father... Uh, having a supporting wife, right? Playing the role as a husband, being a, a an entrepreneur or a serial entrepreneur. Where I have multiple businesses. One of them is in behavioral health. I learned about trauma and how that affects adolescence. And you know, a lot of people think that trauma lives in the brain. No. Uh, and and you feel it in yeah. the brain. It's like a thought process, but it actually lives in the body. And you know, it's all prefrontal cortex. So. A lot of work needs to get done for people like myself in recovery when you're first getting sober. So there was a lot of abuse that took place as an adolescent that I needed to unwind those tapes later Heal. on in life and begin the healing process, absolutely.
1: So Have you heard that they say that uh, from zero to seven, the age of zero to seven is so vulnerable for a child. Yeah that, like limiting beliefs, like if your parents are fighting about money, money doesn't grow <coughs> on the trees, Why manage money, the kid, boy or girl will take that and they'll have that program, this subconscious mind, and then they'll they will manifest that in their reality as they get older. hundred percent. Right? Do you agree to that? hundred percent, right. I agree. But I think the same thing you said, like I, have, I come from Brooklyn, New York, very similar background. My parents got divorced, I was five years old and, you know, it, a, lot of, a lot of trauma, but a lot of my close friends, they were sexually abused. Uh, physically abused mean, uh, mentally abused and they had some major I mean I lost two of them to drugs in Brooklyn and major major trauma and in the teenage years they go and manifest this drug-fueled lifestyle well that's the point right so
0: zero to seven or zero to eight that time frame they hear it yes they see it sure so sometimes it's not even what they're hearing, it's what they're seeing yes. that's quiet. Right. Parents don't even realize that. And then kids have traumas that are put on them that they don't even realize they're receiving, to your point. Sure. So what happens? Same thing that happened to me. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, I take that into my teenage years okay. and I start acting on what I just learned. And then what happens is I become a young adult. And I never treated any of the symptoms of what was put on me. I didn't ask for trauma. You know, you or your friends didn't ask for it. We, we got it. We got it. And nobody told us we need to unwind it and fix it. Sure. And I, I think that's, I think that's a, a big part of healing and recovery, whether you're, it's about sobriety or not, just healing in general. Um, yeah, take, take the uh,
1: drug abuse out of it. For yeah, take second. it out of
0: it completely. Yeah, just human beings. People's
1: marriages fall apart. Because they're not heels, communication, a lack of communication, people have, you know, many, may, many issues. You were an athlete. Yeah. You were really good at baseball.
0: Yeah, I was. Okay.
1: Talk good. about That's that. That's a good memory. How would that go? When did that come into your life? Uh, yeah, I came in
0: early, man. Okay. I, I was an incredible shortstop. I was a phenomenal point guard. I was a, you know, I controlled the ball on the basketball court. I always played up a few years. I'm not real tall. I'm vertically challenged, I call it. Uh, but I was quick, and I was quick with the ball, and I had a lot of speed. And, uh, but baseball was my passion. And so growing up, I always wanted to be the shortstop for the Boston Red Sox. That was my plan. That was my trajectory. Okay. If it wasn't for that, I don't know, man. Like, I got into drugs and alcohol at an early age. I had my first drink when my parents got divorced at 8. So I'll ne- and I'll never forget walking into the living room, opening up that cabinet, seeing that little purple bag you know, that velvety purple bag with Crown Royal in it. And there was a bunch of other bottles. And I grabbed that thing and and I just took my first sip. And all those traumas that we were just talking about, instantly gone. That warmth came over my body and I felt complete. So for me, looking back, like if it wasn't for baseball, if it wasn't for a coach, if it wasn't for a team, the team part of it, the camaraderie that comes with being on a team, knowing that it's I can't, we can type mentality Mm. that I still carry today. I don't know. I probably could have found myself in a really bad situation uh, and and maybe have died. You know, I I partied, I drank, I drugged, uh, but I always had something to look forward to. What ended up happening was I moved down to South Florida to play baseball. Quite honestly, there was just a lot of talent down here. They, They groom them down here. And uh, South America, they're bringing them to, right? Yeah, there's yeah. that, and just South
1: Florida as sure. a whole.
0: The high school that I attended down here was phenomenal at baseball.
1: How old were you when you came to South Florida, exactly? I was 16. 16? You're driving? I was, yeah. Puberties, girls. The whole thing. The whole man. thing. Yeah, no, I was all about
0: the girls. I was driving, but my father was kind enough not to get me a car, he got me a scooter. Okay. Yeah. Little Spree scooter. And, I, and I'll say it with a smile because I was the new kid on the baseball team driving a scooter in the rain with a poncho. It was a lot of uh, humility that had to wow. come from that. Yeah, that was a tough tough 16, time. Where 16. You come 16. From, where, the, from where you come from? Coming from Boston. Where would you come? Coral Springs? Where would you live? I lived in Parkland, okay. Florida. Yeah. Actually, where I live now. It's what you, they were there. It's where when, I'm raising my kids. Nothing
1: was there at that, that time. Nothing was there. Jungle. It was a jungle. Beautiful place now for my yeah. viewers that had never been to Parkland. One of them... Beautiful cities in here, South Florida. I sold my many homes there. Amazing. Amazing. And I swore I would never go back there. Because what ended up happening was this.
0: Drugs and alcohol did take over at that point. I'm 16, turning 17. I quit the baseball team. I was living with my father and my stepmother. And that was a challenging time. My dad was never around. You know, uh, my, my stepmother at the time was, she wasn't great to me. Um, I've forgiven her after all these years. She would set the alarm on the home and lock me in the house. It was just a lot of weird stuff. Wow. I wound up dropping out of high school. Okay. I ran away, and I started working in restaurants. I started moving and Server. hustling. I was serving. Yeah, I was serving in an Italian restaurant and doing my thing. Uh, that was short lived. I got into a lot of trouble uh, quickly. Okay. You know, you, I, I rewind the tape, and I and I don't blame anybody, KB, for it. I just look back at, at the time. And you brought it up, that zero to seven, then it goes to the teenage years, then it goes to the adult years. 20 years, right? The 20 years. Yeah. So I was very undisciplined going into my, my early 20s, you know, that 17 to 20 mark. I didn't really have family core values. I didn't have
1: a, a lot of things that some kids do. A foundation, like your sons do, right? Like, like Maven and Max do. Look, Maven and Max, I see you, Mark. You're like, you're, seriously, another, another topic I want to just touch on. Yeah. I have two daughters. Mine is a six and five. And... Like I see you being the father that you are inspires me to do a better job with my daughters. I appreciate. Like you, that. you, I mean, in social as one positive thing about social media. People say social media is horrible. If you use that in a negative way, yes. But if you use it in a positive way, for me, like that's the way we've been in touch, right? Like if, if, if we weren't, if we didn't have social media, and then I never see you working out as much as you do, or you do boxing too, or you know, you with Maven and Max, you know, with my all the vacations, like. I don't know, maybe my, I wouldn't have been as inspired. So shout out to you know social, social media, but your kids, your sons have an amazing foundation. Now I know why, because you came from here and you yeah. want to do the opposite for them. I want to do the opposite. And, and, you know,
0: I had a loving dad and he showed up on the weekends and he showed up at the sporting events. Weekend sporting events, right? But he did the best that he could, right? With the resources he had. With the resources that yeah. he had. So I look at it, especially because I'm a man of long-term sobriety. You know, I've been sober since April 3rd, 2008. I want to be even better than my dad was to me. It's not that he was bad, he just did the best that he could. I want Maven and Max to feel like there's a space where they can count on their dad. Anything. Anything.
1: Open for him. Open for him. Whatever they need. They're lucky, man. Very blessed. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's amazing stuff. But, Mark, uh, serving in restaurants, okay. Yeah. Did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur one day? Did you have it in you at that time? I, at that point, yeah. no, okay. I didn't. Okay. I was looking at my
0: family. At this point, every man in my family was in the financial industry, okay. uh, running some big companies here and Selling in life insurance and stuff, financial products? Financial products, okay. uh, my annuities. dad. Yeah, annuities, okay. mutual funds. Gotcha. Uh, my uncle was uh, on the New York Stock Exchange at the time. Great money. There was a lot of money in my family at the time. Okay. Yeah, there was just a lot of power, running big, bulge-bracket old institutions for okay. this country. Wow. So the high school dropout, without the education, looking at my family dynamic, I always wanted it, but I felt like maybe I was inferior, that there was something missing inside me okay. that I wouldn't be able to achieve. Uh, even though I had the sports background and that competitive part, see, I hate to lose. I hate losing more than I like winning because you know at this stage of life i expect myself to put the effort in to win whatever that win looks like it's not always monetary it could be an emotional thing it could just be a win i love to win um so when i look back at that that you know i don't know that i had it in me Mm. but i wound up getting a job in a mailroom at a financial institution in boston okay and uh I was the best mail guy that this company ever had. From the bottom. From the bottom. I was making $19,500. This guy, Ted Charles, brought me in. I was working for Investors Capital Corporation. And I would open up that mail every single day. And I would sort it. And I was in a suit that was two sizes too big for me. It was my brother's. Wow. Yeah, KB. It was crazy. And in uh, one day, six months into the job, I'm opening up the mail. And I look at a statement. And I said, you know what? Let me, let me call I don't know, it was something in me. Let, me. let me call this woman. And, you know, hey, good afternoon, Mrs. Cohen. Uh, this is Mark Efron with Investors Capital. I'm looking at your Putnam Voyager statement. There's $250,000 in here, and I just want to let you know I'm going to be mailing it out to you. And at that same time, the CEO was walking by. Wow. He said, what are you doing? I thought I was fired. He said, come with me. He walked me into a sales room, put me on a sales desk, and next thing I know, within 18 months, I was running a sales team. I had 20 people underneath me, and this guy mentored me, and he took me under his wing. He got me licensed. He got me credentialed. He got me a second license and a third license. And next thing you know, I outgrew this company. By the time I was 24, I became the vice president of an insurance company here in the United States. Luck is labor under correct knowledge. Say it once again. Luck is labor under correct knowledge. Wow. I have to be putting in action— At the right place at the right time. And then opportunity creates itself. And that's really what luck is. It's opportunity. You just gotta be
1: prepared for that opportunity. I don't think anyone sits on the couch and just gets someone knocking on the door say, Hey, by the way, you gonna become a VP to my company. That doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. I hate when people say that, you know, he got lucky, that person got lucky, you know. And it just it just it bothers me, but you said it very well. So you went from Florida back to Boston. Insurance company. Yeah. VP, twenty four, twenty five. I was twenty four years old. Six figures. I'm, I'm sure, above. Seven. This is this is wild. Seven figures are a big, there's a big thing now, but it was a huge thing back then. Seven figures. I made a
0: big, big, big number at twenty four. That's where my addiction took off. Jump into it. Yeah. Twenty four years old, making insane money. Uh, I'm running a division for, an, for this investment company in the southeast so Georgia, Alabama, Florida and I did a lot of traveling and I went out and I raised money and raised capital uh, for this financial institution and I was pretty good at it you know I put on a nice suit got to know people I was able to solve problems for people I enjoyed that part I was actually able to tell people that had a higher education how to solve a problem. There was a a esteemable ax that was self-worth, but what I didn't see coming was the drug addiction. You put, and I'll go back to your original statement of zero through seven. You put millions of dollars in a young guy's hand who's undisciplined financially, but more importantly, emotionally, that money is gone in a heartbeat. So I found myself in strip clubs, nightclubs, spending money on things that really didn't matter,
1: your lifestyle. And uh, that big boy job that I got was gone within 24 months. You told me the story, I'll pause pause that stop and come back to you. You told me the story once, you had a bodyguard. Oh yeah. Yeah. 6'1", 6'3", big bodyguard. Yeah, he would follow me around. At 24, 25. Yeah, 25.
0: Narcissism I'll never forget it.
1: With the narcissism, or did you really need to one? Or like, what was that for? Nah, that was just, stupid. just stupid. That
0: was just stupid. That was because I had the money to and do money. it, and I wanted to impress people that I'll never know. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, and, and girls. Yeah, woman. it was definitely the girl thing. Nice cars uh, back then? Decent cars, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice I had house. Nice, car. nice house, yeah. nice cars. Bachelor. Great clothes. Woman you coming know? in and out, probably. Good looking guy like yourself. Yeah, like, I appreciate it. <laughs> a lot of that. money. I was, uh, yeah, I, I was non committal. I didn't know at this stage of life what a successful relationship looked like.
1: You know, who does at
0: 24?
1: Not, not, some people do. I did it. I, I definitely you know. did you know.
0: Yeah, I definitely did
1: Okay, so seven figures, living the life, lost a job in 24 months, two years. What happened? Greatest thing ever. Drug addicts are
0: crafty. So what I was able to do was I was able to uh, make a phone call. I called this guy, Jeff Reese. At the time, he was a divisional manager at a, at a bigger company. Say, said, hey, Jeff, uh, I'm moving to South Florida. I don't believe in the core value system of the company that I'm at anymore. Uh, my family's in South Florida. If you ever have a job, I'd love to come work for you. He said, as a matter of fact, I actually have an opening. So I met with this guy. He liked me. He sent me away to the company for a major interview. I spent three weeks training with this company and they gave me a territory and I rebounded so quick. There was no real consequence at that time. So I came down here, I was the vice president of this company and uh, and we did some big things. And I wasn't I wasn't crazy like I was back in Atlanta. Okay. You know, when I was domiciled in Atlanta, I wasn't out of control. I was socially drinking, I really wasn't using drugs. What ended up happening down in South Florida at that time were these hurricanes, and they crisscrossed. And I'll never forget it. Power was out. Financial institutions were shut down. And uh, I was out in front of my driveway because these hurricanes literally tore everything apart. And I'm barbecuing in my front yard. And I smelled it. was like a, uh, like a cartoon in this waft of weed. Yeah, I like just smelled it. Tom and Jerry, it. used you see that? It oh, was like yeah, Tom and yeah. Jerry. Yeah, it's exactly sure. what okay. it was. Yeah yeah, 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 That's the analogy that's in my head. Okay. KB, I walked down where I smelled it coming from. I said to the guy, hey, man, what else can you get me? He's like, what do you need? And I told him it was cocaine at the time. For me, that was my drug of choice. Next thing I know, I had cocaine, eight balls all day, every day for multiple days, and I was off to the races. It was like this little addiction that I had some experience with, had muscles, and it was growing, and so I picked up where I had left off. So... When I left Atlanta, I lost that job. I was getting high every day. I came down to South Florida and I kind of did a geographical change, right? Same person, but the geographical part changed. I got high for days and weeks on end and I wound up having to go to treatment my first time in 2006.
1: How old were you? I was about 28. Okay, 28. Max, your wife wasn't in your life at that time? No, she came shortly after. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. Man, so, you know, I went to treatment and I put in six months worth of work and it just wasn't for me. Uh, I didn't understand the work that I had to do on myself. I just thought, you know, I, I was partying too much. I made too much money. I didn't have responsibility. I'm going to grow up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow up now. That's why I kept on saying, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be like my brother Mike. You know, I'm going to be married one day. I'll have kids one day. But meanwhile... I'm shacked up in a motel, peeping out windows because i had been high for days, with cocaine rolled up in a baggie. And I would wrap it in a towel in case I sweat through it because I would take Xanax to pass out. I had this whole cycle, man. And my scorecard read zero. You know, I felt shameful, uh, broken. Nobody really in my family was talking to me at the time. And then, there was Masiel. I am scrolling on the internet, and I came across her picture, and I was like, wow, this woman is, she's just my type. Right, never talked to her, but physically, she was just my type. And we wound up meeting, and we had our first date. It was a five-hour first date, and it was amazing. And uh, we've been together ever since, you know. But she, uh, towards the end of my addiction, She said to me, if you want to go ahead and kill yourself, go ahead, but I'm not going to stick around. So when my scorecard finally read zero, the house was gone, the cars were gone, the job was gone, the money was gone, the girl was gone. It was either death, jail, or get sober. And uh, by the grace of God, I found my way to a program that was able to help me with men uh and women but men that really took me under their you know you talk about mentorship yeah. when we first sat down yeah. they really mentored me man yeah yeah
1: you believe in law of attraction i do okay yeah you said something about marcia with your girl you had in my my wife same for me i had a vision i had a thing framed looks here was that like your thing like you had like was she would your t like <coughs> that's the type of girl you gonna... I love I love yeah. that you asked yeah. this question
0: cuz I was cleaning out my office a couple months ago okay Check this out this is amazing yeah. I'm so glad you asked yeah when I was actually in treatment the last time they had us do a vision board okay and I may have shared this with you I made you have time. yeah there was a picture of a wedding cake okay there was all these little sayings and words There was a white chip which means surrender sure um, there was uh, a picture of a car a picture of a home a picture of a ring uh, there was all these different things on there that represented what I wanted my life to be. Brother, if I told you every single thing 15 and a half years later has come to fruition, everything on that vision board came true. That's insane. Yeah. So I do believe in that, but, I, but it goes back to... Putting in the work. Putting in the work. Labor under correct knowledge. Where's the information coming from? I am responsible as a man in 2023 going into 2024 what i look at what i listen to i believe that if you think it you will speak it if you speak it you will create it okay once one more time if you think it you speak it you will create it But a lot of people have these thoughts that aren't healthy Definitely. then they speak unhealthy thoughts 100%. and then they wonder why they don't get anywhere right and i needed to learn that i need to be trained i needed coaching but i firmly believe that in my heart if i think it and then I speak it, I can create it. And that's what happened with that vision
1: board. That's insane. Yeah. Uh, Manny Cushman, he's a big-time investor, social media personality in uh, California. He talks about how he drew his, drew his wife many, many years before that. And he drew his house, this mansion, this huge mansion in California. And, you know, and a lot of entrepreneurs talk about it, right? Like vision board and stuff. All right, so you're sober. Sober. You told me one story, and I remember like It's a visual in my head. A garbage bag with the clothes inside of it. Mm. Yeah. Touch on that. first. At the
0: end of my addiction, uh, my brother Mike dropped me off at treatment. And inside, I didn't have luggage anymore. Everything was gone.
1: gone. Everything. So
0: he dropped me off with a trash bag. I had a bunch of clothes in there. A bag of beef jer- jerky. Uh, a tin of tobacco. And a really nice pair of Gucci uh, loafers. loafers. Truth. I still have them. They're like 20, over 20 years old. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I don't wear them. I but just look at them, and, and, them. and it reminds me. Sure. You know, that was the one thing that I had left sure. and it was
1: immaterial. Sure. You know, uh,
0: sobriety has been so good to me, brother.
1: So good to me. It has. I can see that. Yeah. You've been good to it too, right? I mean, you put the work in. I have, and yeah. it hasn't
0: always been a straight line. No.
1: We talked about that. We talked about that because
0: there's nothing in life that really is. You know, you know and, and a lot of people don't necessarily understand what it takes
1: to put in the work. You know, you got to put in work. Sobriety is like anything else, right? I mean, you're, not, you're a successful entrepreneur. You have a marriage, you have a father. Like, nothing just comes to you. You have to put in the work, right? Uh, Mark, question. Yes. Oh, man, I, I'm blanking out now. Oh, sober, lost everything. Marcel's right there. He's starting from zero again. Starting from zero, I was I was wondered about that. Like mm-hmm. I was going to ask you, like, I thought maybe you had some money stashed away to like a like a <coughs> parachute or something. Or but you you were, I mean, it was yeah, it was a couple, maybe a few thousand bucks. Okay, that's that. That's I thought like more than that. So it's really 0 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Two, th- April third, two thousand eight. I got sober. Same sober date as I think some M&M, I think had the same one.
0: Okay. Oh, yeah, maybe. I
1: think so. All right. I'm going to have to look yeah. that up after yeah. this. Okay. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah.
0: I think I got more time. Though. Okay. Don't tell them, though. Okay. Uh, no, that's actually amazing yeah. because, you know, anytime you see somebody of celebrity status sure. doing it and talking about it, because this, the, the world needs that. Sure. The, the, the youth coming up. Absolutely. Need, it needs to be attraction, not promotion. Sure. You know what I mean? Good that's point. attractive. M&M's pretty attractive that way. Uh, April 3rd, 2008 is my sobriety date. And I found myself back in the financial industry quickly, got a job. I wasn't paying a ton. Um, I wound up losing that job my second year of sobriety. And what ended up happening was whatever money I had made that first year carried me into my second year. And by the third year of my recovery, I wound up getting a great job. I wound up also getting married, uh, but I found a great job. It was working for a smaller insurance company with really good people, with incredible product and a great compensation package. And I just, I grinded, man. I put in the work. I was working, man, 15, 16, 17 hours a day, trying to outwork my competition. I had a mindset, the more people that I help, the more money that I'll make. That was the mindset back then. And it still is today, you know, it's not about the money part because I'm involved in a lot of different companies. It's more for me about how can I serve? How can I have impact? The more impact I have, the better the communities, the better the, the families, the better I'll be. A national your leader, You're a leader. I think I think that's. That, for, well, yeah. that, was, that, was, that was probably I, your thing. Part of my thing. I, I love to have vision. I love to lead. I love to lead by the front. Um, so so I was able to rebuild. And at this point, I've matured. I have a lot of great people around me. I've got a lot of information from being in the financial industry and I saved and I saved and I saved and I invested and I watched my money compound until I got to a place of really being able to invest it and create something. I never in a million years thought that I would leave the financial industry. I wanted nothing more, quite honestly, than to rise to the level of that of somebody in my family. Um, You know, not that my family was a prominent family, but there was a lot of respect in the financial industry at that time. And I just wanted to make my family proud because I brought shame upon myself. You know, being a vice president of a major insurance company and then losing a couple of jobs because you're a drug addict can bring up shame. So it was like part of the redemption, man. It was part of my rebirth in, in finance. So I put a bunch of years together, man, and, um, and they were good. Maciel got, uh, got married to me. We had Maven, who's now going to be 13. 12. He's coming up on 12. 12, okay. That was my sobriety baby. And then Max, who's coming up, uh, well, he just turned nine in August. Man, these kids changed my life. Like, the love that I have for my wife is one type of love. The love that I have for my children is just different. different. It's just different. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, So so I'm sitting in in a meeting one time, and I'm listening to people talk about treatment in Florida. And at that point, it was about 2014, made what I made. And I went home to my wife and I said, Maciel, if Maven or Max turn out to be like you me, you told me the story, yeah. Where would we settle?
1: Where, we, where would they go?
0: Yeah, she said, what are you saying? I said, I don't know, but I have this, this pull. I have this calling that, that I'm feeling. In the gut, telling you. In the gut. Higher powers talking to you. I whatever it may be. I don't even know what it is yeah. yet. I mean, no, in hindsight, looking back, it was definitely God working in my life. Sure. You know, then it just seemed like a crazy thought. Wife, kids, sick mom, uh, two cars in, in the driveway. We just built a home. It's 2014. Like, life is good. I'm sponsoring men in the program that I'm in, mentoring people. Like, I'm home early.
1: It's um, a balance, a good balance.
0: Yeah, and sometimes I think balance is, is, yes, but I think it's an illusion sometimes, I, I, too. I do, I
1: do, too. You know? Yeah. I think uh,
0: I the more successful you become, your life is going to be a little out of balance. And you just got to accept it. you have it. to say that. Accept, yeah. accept it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, And I actually like imbalance sometimes with that. Yeah. Because right? I like to go and then pause. Yeah. Go and pause. Yeah. I went to my best friend and business partner, now Ben, and I said, hey, Ben, listen. Ben I'm Fox. Ben, yeah, Ben Fox. I think I'm going to uh, retire from finance. I'm going to take whatever I got. Probably going to borrow some. And this was the plan. I want to create a place good enough for my kids to go there. And he said, how serious are you? I said, extremely serious. He was working in a completely different industry. Neither one of us knew anything about behavioral health, but we had sobriety. Both of you did? And we both had business acumen. And we knew that if we created a place that could navigate as one team, one vision, one mission, and we could have a culture that followed our value system. Wow, dude, you're dropping some jumps. Please, continue. That we could have a place that could hit home runs for families. And that's exactly what we were able to do. So we spent from 2014 to 2016 planning, strategizing, uh, coming up with names. You have a D job still, both of you, right? I was still working in finance. and right. He, he was has still, his, own, his own thing going he on. Had, he was a successful uh, entrepreneur himself. You guys were meeting after that, after work? 5 a.m. meetings. 10 p.m. meetings, wow. in between phone calls, it Insane. was nonstop. Insane. It was insanity, man. And so, from 2016, uh, we got an office after two years of planning. We hired eight team members. We don't have employees here; we call them team members. I love that. One team, one vision, one mission, and uh, we got our license February of 2017,
1: wow. and uh, the rest is kind of unfolded, man. It's just February. February. I walked with my buddy who was your client in in May. Yeah, shortly after. We were brand new. Brand new. But what we had was experienced
0: clinical teams. Yes, we did. We always hired some of the best, maybe overpaid in different situations to get them because we were the new kids on the block. You didn't know much better. No, it was 700 treatment centers in the state of Florida at that time. So we went from a 12-bed program. We have over 450 beds. We span from Los Angeles, California.
1: Brand new, congratulations.
0: Thank you so much. It's a blessing to be out there. Uh, Cincinnati, and two locations in Jersey. New Jersey.
1: I saw that Freehold, uh, Cherry Hill.
0: Cherry Hill and, and Parsippany. Wow. Yeah. It's a total of five. Correct.
1: Yeah. Two guys. In five years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Was that a vision? When you opened the first one, Back where the Margate, I remember that office was, well, did you even better sit there and think about, you know what, when I have five, six, seven, did you or that came along?
0: I think the idea was like, well, let's have a 40-bed facility here in the state of Florida. Okay. We just didn't know. Wow. What ended up happening was the demand for the quality of service that we had was so great that we stretched our own thinking, accepted the fact that people were calling for us, we we're always full. Our outcomes, man, our recidivism was low. We just had tremendous success, success. early. So the impact and the opioid epidemic and, and the tidal wave that's just washed this country, leaving families broken, we had a quality program to serve different communities. So we just grew, we grew with demand and we've never watered it down. You know, I think that any place that you go, each location looks the same, feels the same, the culture's the same. We won't grow beyond our comfort level. It's very strategic,
1: uh, and so far it's working for us. God bless you guys. Yeah, I mean, brother. competition. Let me, let me go back one second. So I have this mentor who was helping me with mindset. I pay him a lot of money. So he did an exercise with me before I came to South Florida. He goes, think of the best version, KB, of yourself. Call yourself KBA and KBB's right there, and KBB KB walks in, best version, in six next to you. How, you, how do you look? How much money does he make? And I told him the number, right? Multiple seven figures, this and that, and this and that. He goes, what type of emotions would he have? I'm like, wow, I'm stuck. He goes, that's the point. You think about it. It's not, a, it's not a fast answer. You should think about it. I go, like, okay, so let's think about it. First one, I said, cool, calm, collective. I thought of you, too. See, so you are part of the inspiration. I said, cool, calm, collective. He goes, okay, Perfect, good one. Second one, abundant thinking, abundance. And the third one, man, I'm blanking out. Abundance, cool, collective. Oh, and 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 just focused. Those three are the qualities that I think I see in you. I think I seen you. I seen, seen Ben, your, your partner. I spent time with them. Yeah. You know. Any of the qualities, emotions, you would say as a mentor to many people, uh, say, hey, to be successful at life itself. Oh, cool collective, unfaith. Mm. Things will happen, he said. The more money you get, the more success you get. And you're a prime example. I'm sure people come at you. I'm sure people have a, a, a gun point on the back of your, you know, Speaking in so many words, yeah, I want to take you down, yeah, right? you get new kid on the block, and now you're, you're, you're top G in the industry. Do you consider yourself unfaith? I
0: consider myself unbotherable. Okay, I don't want to be bothered. I like control of the mind, so I do a lot of work on that. Uh, proper alignment will create the assignment. My coach has taught me that. Proper alignment creates the assignment. assignment. Okay. Right? So I know for me that if I go vertical before I go horizontal. He me that the first time you met. Got to go vertical before I go horizontal. Before I deal with anybody and people and personalities, situations, I need to get my head and my heart connected. Aligned. Aligned. And if I'm navigating with that, I'm unbotherable. Why? Because the proper alignment creates the assignment. No different than a car. How many people are driving a car around for year after year after year and they've hit things, hit a curb, right? Yeah. A pothole. They don't realign. They're going to veer off to the side. So I always want what you just talking about was that focus and that vision. Um, I do a lot of work, man, right? So I, wo- I woke up this morning. It was 445. First thing I do is thank, thank you, God, for another day. Thank you, God, for another day sober. Kiss my wife. She doesn't like me waking her up early. Kissed my wife. Hit my knees. After I hit my knees, got dressed, clothes were laid out the night before, prayed, meditated, gratitude list, turned on a sauna, activated the cold plunge, worked out, first cardio, then weights, then hit my cold plunge, then 20 minutes in the sauna. All that's done before 7 o'clock and I'm in the car and on my way here. So... There's different people have different things, yes. right? It sounds like it's a lot, but it's a process for me. Sure. Uh, that allows me. So when it comes to the emotional part though, I want to be unbotherable. I want to have that that love in the heart and navigate that way, but I also got to be quick with my time. I have to be able to make decisions fast. If my mind isn't clear, it's jammed up with other people's stuff. It's going to take me uh, uh, my eye off of really what I need to do. processing, like I 100%. Like yeah, the process. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you got to reboot. For me, every single morning is a
1: data reboot. I remain unbotherable that way. I, I see you on social media. You do the same thing over and over again. You answered two of my questions. Your daily habits, and you said it, four forty-five yeah. in the morning. Yeah. Gratitude, number one. I everyone I do gratitude too. Journaling, prayer. Anything else you say to my viewers, my listeners, entrepreneurs are starting off daily habit. A a suggestion or something? Yeah, I think it's important to always have your goals written down.
0: You got to have them written down. And you got, again, it comes back to the proper alignment, creates the assignment. If you know what your true purpose is, you can tap into that and nothing's going to stop you. If you're focused on the vision, stretch the thinking. If you're a young entrepreneur or an entrepreneur that's just getting off the ground, you have to stretch your thinking. You have to be prepared to be comfortable being uncomfortable i love that it's one of the hardest things for people to do but if you can just say you know what i'm going to accept this situation exactly where it's at and i'm going to make the best decision i possibly can at that time a lot of people say well i don't have to make a decision sometimes not making a decision is it's the best decision. one yeah it's a decision though it, it can be and I, it's not yeah i don't even know if i agree with that no i agree with you i, I think that you make the best decision you can with the information that you have, and you execute. Yes, sir. A lot of people fail to sure. launch because of that, and there's fear. So if you're an entrepreneur or, or a relatively new one, and you have fear, fear's not even real. What is fear, KB? It's not even real, it's a false emotion appearing real. Sure. And when people can get their head around that, or I can wrap my head around that, which I did, fear blocks people. From taking
1: action
0: 100% that first step so we need to literally level the playing field fear is not real and just execute
1: I'm I'm starting a business me and my wife I told you briefly and we have been working on it for, for a year thank yeah. you and again I think about you and Ben quite often because I saw you guys build that um, as I work for you and I'm very, very scared sometimes she's like she's positive and I'm like oh my god babe what are we doing like, we know we're okay. We're doing pretty decent, right? Yeah. I have a nice real estate career, mine podcast, other businesses. She's a physician, and but like we're like, but we want to serve and we want to do something bigger and better, right? Um, and so your advice to me and her would be like, don't let the fear get to you, right? It's not even real. It's not even real. Plan your work.
0: Work your plan. There you go. Something's gonna pop in in between sure. all that. But with the proper alignment, we'll create the assignment. And I say it, and I'm repetitive with it, because I, I say it at nauseam levels. People are going to tell you sometimes that, you know, that's crazy. You stick with what you got. They, they lack vision. You already have the vision. It's not going to fail. I love it. You just got to show up and do the work. And it's going to be a lot it. of work. The first year, we almost went out of business twice. I'll never forget it. It was all monetary based, we, we were well positioned, we planned properly, but then things come up that you don't plan for.
1: See, that's the thing no one knows. People see you in a beautiful suit and a beautiful office, oh, you know, man. and the cars and houses. I was scared shitless.
0: I was scared shitless that first year. But no one sees that. No, nah, I was scared shitless. You got lucky. Mark got lucky. Look at him. Yeah. Five locations came like this. No, not at the risk of uh, issues in my, in my own home. Um, you know, when you're working that many hours and you're working two jobs, and I was, at that time, I was putting in 18 to 20 hours a day. Mm-hmm. My marriage went like this. When marriages go this way, there's room for error. There's room for mistakes. Those mistakes happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of pain in my home, man. It was just a lot of, you touched about it uh, earlier on. You talked about communication, the, the failure of any relationship, whether it's friendship, business relationship, partnership, marriage, whatever. partnership, lack of, communication. lack of communication, and my wife and I experience that. So making sure that the home is rock solid when you're building something is more critical. More important than anything I'm learning. More important than anything. And now you reaffirmed that for me. Um, 100%, brother. Wow. Everything's hindsight, right? I look
1: back and I say, wow, that's why I went through that so I can share that experience with somebody. That's amazing, Mark. Wow, we learned a lot today. I think um, I think you're a busy man, Mark. Thank you for your time. I appreciate time. your time. Where can we fo- Where can we find you? So you can find uh,
0: you find me on Instagram, right? Uh, it's Mark M-A-R-C underscore Efron E-F-F-R-O-N underscore. I love your page. Thank you. I love your page. I appreciate it. I don't really know what I'm doing with it. I just post my daily life. I see it. You took some breaks too, by the way. You took some breaks on and off. So real quick, that's a really good point. Uh, I took a whole, a little over a year. I remember that. 14 months. I was off social media. I wanted to cleanse. It was just distracting. We were growing our business. I didn't want any issues, outside issues, and I just went focused. Both my wife and I did that, actually. It's one of the greatest things that I personally have done in a long time. Aside from hiring a business coach. Wow. Yeah. So you okay. can find me there. You can find Legacy at www.legacyhealing.com. That's one of the companies I'm involved in. And maybe another conversation we can we can touch upon. The we other will companies. do. We yeah. will
1: do a part two. Yeah, I have a lot more to talk to you about. And we'll do another part two. Listen, I'm yeah. honored to be here yeah. with you today.
0: Oh, okay. I've got nothing but love. I'm so happy that your friend is doing so Thank well. You, Mark. That his family is doing well because of it. He said that we saved his life, man. I don't know that I did. I think that we we just set a platform for him.
1: I think God put you and Legacy Team in his life, and God worked through you to save his life, and through him you impacted my life. That's beautiful. So think about that, right? Um, yeah, Marak, you're a mentor, older brother to me, man. Like I look up to you in so many ways. You're doing amazing work. I don't know if that means anything to you or not, but you have, you have someone here who has got impacted. Um, shout out to Nicole, your assistant, who's been uh, an angel to work with. Um, you know, Shout out to the Legacy team. They're just amazing people. As I walked in, everyone is so... The culture you've de- developed, you and Ben had developed here is is amazing. I think that's really important because you've given me a lot of credit today, but
0: all it. of I appreciate it. that. I got out of the, I I appreciate it. So thank you. All the credit here at Legacy is 100% attributed to the team. Wow. Love it. It yeah. has nothing to do with Ben and I. We carry out the vision from a top level, but the
1: people who deserve all the credit is our team. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, Mark. I love you, man. Love you, you too, brother. You so jumping on thank, today. You. thank you. Appreciate you guys. Well, okay. guys, you heard the man himself speak about his journey. A lot a lot of golden gems here. Follow his page on a daily basis. You'll you'll get truly Get an insight of an entrepreneur, a husband, a father, and a great man, and what he does, and what he's—he's he's on social media. He's that in that in real life. Some people are some way in, in social media, and you see them off off the camera. They're a holes. He is <laughs> who he is, and you know. I'm sure you have A-hole oh, yeah, a hole time. Oh yeah, no, I could be a complete. We all do, right? I can I'm be an asshole, complete asshole half the time, yeah, but yeah. you'll see me that on camera as well. Thank you for joining us today, guys. Thank you, Mark. Thanks again, brother. Awesome.